days are here again, the skies above are clear again. Let us sing a song of cheer again, happy days are here again. Welcome to Rosa Remarks, the podcast where we chronologically explore the stories of Disney Comics legend Don Rosa, the Eisner Award-winning artist and writer of classic Scrooge McDuck and Donald Duck comic book stories. Join us as we discuss his storytelling, illustrations, cultural contexts, references, and inspirations from Karl Barks, appreciate hidden gags and Easter eggs, and whatever else animates me and my guests. Welcome, welcome to Rosa Remarks. I'm Mark Severino, a grown man who loves duck comics, loves to talk about the the adventure stories and the gag length stories of Don Rosa. And let's see, do I like landscaping and gardening? Yeah, that's it's fine. It's not one of my big interests, but I sure do enjoy the story uh, that we're going to be talking about today. And and I've got a couple of returning guests who are really perfect to talk about this story because the master landscapist is an example of a story type that Carl Barks did first with that that has been dubbed the brittle mastery of Donald Duck stories. And and I got to have both of these gentlemen on to talk about at least one of those. Um, so so welcome back to Ruben Olsrud and Mikkel Hagen. How are you guys doing, Ruben? Well, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm working at a costume shop and October's been tough, but now we're bringing the Christmas stuff up and I'm kind of getting into the spirit a little bit early, I guess, because it's surrounded me, surrounding me in the, at the mall. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this, discussing this story. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you have it's it's kind of enforced merriment when you're around it. Um, what what about it? Are you you guys were recording this like Halloween has just ended as of recording? Um, so we're like at the height of fall, you know, not too far from winter. This feels more like a spring story to me, but um, but but this is still like an interesting thing to talk about. Are you into gardening? Are you into this kind of thing, Ruben? Uh, not at all. I'm a bad gardener. <laughs> I like walking around in gardens sometimes, maybe, but I get kind of bored. <laughs> yeah. And after not not that much of a long time, so I could bring some podcast and bring or bring a comic book, and I'd be happy that. Yeah. You and and um, what about you, Mikael? Welcome back. What what's going on with you? And uh, same question. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. It's always a great pleasure to be here. Well, same as Ruben, I am a little tired, I guess, but um, I'm doing fine. I still work in the the bookshop um, called Nuli. So we just uh, finished up cleaning up, cleaning up after Halloween and uh, putting up, setting up all the Christmas decorations, gift wrapping paper and uh, tree for two on gift wrapping paper and uh, Christmas books and all that. And uh, the best part of it is, of course, that we just received all the kind of the comic books for Christmas, nice. the so-called so-called Julehefte or Christmas comic books, which is a very typical Norwegian and Scandinavian thing. Right. Yule is how you say it in, in Norway. Is that right? Oh, that's correct. Yeah, we, we're it's it's not too foreign of a word for us because, of course, we have the Yule log idea in English. It was interesting for me to discover that that's just how you say Christmas in, in like Scandinavian um, countries. And, and of course, you guys are both joining me. You're, you're longtime Barks and Rosa and other Disney comics fans from Norway. Also, you know, I think you guys are both 20 something ish, which would explain why we're not so into the uh, well, well, it's it's not such gardening 
is like maybe not the biggest 20 something dude pastime, right? But um no. but, but this this makes for a really cool story. I gotta say, I, I got such a kick out of the story. I'm very excited to talk about this one. As as I mentioned, I love the brittle mastery uh Donald Duck stories. I had a lot of fun, Ruben. The first time I had you on, we got to talk uh back about the master rainmaker, right? I think that's great. I, that's great. I think that's probably gotta be my all-time favorite of those, but I do have a lot of love for like the master wrecker. Um, there's some other artists who've done some great ones even outside of barks and rosa uh, ruben what what about you is that your favorite as well i think i think i remember that being yours yeah definitely uh, definitely is uh, i think master rainmaker is yeah definitely my favorite uh, and i could also mention because you uh, because you were asking for other creators uh, uh brittle mastery stories i remember uh, like 10 15 years ago the norwegian uh, writer and uh, artist team made like uh, where Donald's a baker uh, or it's a bake cake deliverer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I know what story you mean, Ruben. It mm -hmm. was the one written by Knut Narum, right? Where he's That's a correct. cake yeah, delivery guy. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I remember that pretty fondly being a yeah, a good one. Definitely Master Rainmaker is my favorite of these monster stories. Nice. Um, what about you, Mikkel? Well, I think Bark's uh, Master Rainmaker is definitely my favorite Brittle Mastery story as well. But I would like to mention another favorite from another artist, a Vicar story from, mm -hmm. uh, I think, 2003. It just dawned on me that it's very reminiscent of uh, Bark's um, bill collectors, in a way, where Don is an expert in uh, making people deliver or return their library books. So he goes out to find people who haven't returned their books yet, and then through painful measures, force them to do so. And then in the end, Hugh, you and Louis, of course, discover that Donald has never returned a book in his life. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a, a great classic setup so that that i don't remember that one but um sounds like one to check out i'll, I'll mention that william van horden had one that's a lot of fun called i think it was called it's batsman where he was an exterminator i did get a big kick out of that one it's it's such a great story type right the idea here is that donald is like excels at something unlike how you know we we it subverts the usual donald is kind of a, a low level failure and in the case of all these stories he masters something and then of course at the end it goes horribly awry um, sometimes through no fault of his own sometimes through one of his very human tendencies to just mess things up so it's it's a great typology i think it would be perfect to do one of those big disney collections that had like a bunch of the bark stories as well as this rosa story the you know the van horn and vicar um, who is the Norwegian artist that you mentioned? You got to say it slowly. For yeah, me. the artist is called Aril Mittum. Oh, okay. I, I'm yeah. I'm very familiar uh, with with him, but um, it's just hard for me to hear his name with my English ears. So. Yeah, but I should I should mention that what Mikkel mentioned earlier it was the writer of that story, which is called Knut Nairum. Okay, excellent. So he only wrote that one. He didn't draw that one. That's correct. Okay, because he's a he's a great artist. Um, yeah, he is. 
so you guys, this this is a, this is going to be a really fun one to talk about. It's a gaggling story. It's only 10 pages, so it may not be um, something that we go too much in depth on. But um, but I just I like that it kind of is part of this legacy of this story type. You know, in, in Rose's commentary in the Fanographics, he does call it out very specifically as his take on the Brittle Mastery story typology. Um, which I think is a term that I don't know if Jeffrey Blum invented it in the like commentary, but but that's the first time I saw it used. And and it seems to me like we're still pretty early in Rose's career. It, it seems like he's really been going through almost a checklist to me where he's like, all right, what did Barks do? What are his big story types? I want to make sure that I, as a tribute, I'm putting words into his mouth, but th this is what I see him doing. I'm going to make sure I, I do my take on the junior woodchucks, like badge story on the brittle mastery story on what else am I thinking? The Donald of? versus Gladstone story. Yes, yes. Yeah. The Donald versus Gladstone story. At some point, he even gets in a Daisy's diary story, <laughs> you know, early on. And and at some point, you know, he, he just, he wants to take a stab at all of these. That's that's my impression. Does this, did that kind of strike either of you? Yeah, definitely. It is to me also very clear that Rosa is trying to do each type of genre that Parks did with his stories uh, in his early days before he kind of keeps more to the adventure lengths and uh, from time to time, 10-page uh, story. Yeah, and, and you guys joined me for uh, another Rosa 10-page where we got to talk about Recalled Wreck, which I guess you could see as like a Donald, a take on the... Now, that one's probably not a take on anything. He does do the Donald versus Neighbor Jones shortly after that. But I, I think we noted that, like, to me, these 10-pagers of his feel really special because he did so few of them. You know, if you expand the criteria to be like, okay, well, some of some of his 12-pagers are more gag stories than adventure stories, that adds a few of them um, to the list. But but for the most part, he just didn't do that many of them. And I think, I think that's a shame because I just, I love how tightly constructed most of them are. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll mention really briefly, I've got my kid in the background and i'm going to try not to record while she's chattering but just in case that's my little disclaimer um so i i, I think i think each of these even if they're not like as quote interesting to talk about as some of his adventure length stories where he does like a big research-based dive into the the locale and and maybe some of the history and the, and the cultural aspects of whatever he's talking about I, I just think they're they're special enough and they're tightly constructed enough that I, I still really enjoy talking about these no I just wanted to say I never got to say anything about my relationship with the gardens really but I'm not a gardener uh, but I love to be out in the forest or in nature in general and it just dawned on me that my surname Hagen it's the Norwegian word for word for garden. Nice. So my that's name great. is basically Mikkel Garden. Oh, that's great. So you you are like a master landscapist, or maybe a master landscape. Um, well, it's my destiny. It's what yeah. I should become. You know, I just just by reflex, I I would say I'm not really into it, but like I'm I'm getting up up in in years now. I'm like in, well into my early 40s at this point, and there's like this weird disease where um, people who like get into their 40s suddenly just start to care more about 
know, like botanical gardens and stuff like that. And and I, I'm not like obsessed with it or anything, but definitely I can feel it more than 10 years ago. I'm like, oh man, give me a nice garden to walk through. I actually care about like what plants are called and, and, and stuff like that. So um, there's not all that much of that in this one, but, um, but, it, but it is interesting to dwell on it a little. So so you guys, let's talk, let's set up this story. Some of the details on this one, the master, I have to force myself to use the right title, right? Because this is not a word that we, this is not a real word in English, <laughs> landscapist, the master landscapist. I keep wanting to say landscaper, uh, but like landscapist obviously is meant to allude to the fact that he's like elevated it into artistry, right? Right. Um, it, it was published in November of 1990. This is this is notably one of the very first stories that was of, of roses that was published in the Disney Comics run of stories in America. Um, other notable thing, of course, it's his first story that he did directly for Egmont. Right, Rosa Rosa had a. a a decent couple of years where he worked for Gladstone um, before he kind of figured out that with the market for Disney comics so so strong over in your neck of the woods in Scandinavia and in Western Europe and really all over Europe, um, that it was just much more you could like actually make a living uh, as a comic book artist in in Europe. So so he signed with Egmont and you know. The stories were still getting published in the States, but they wouldn't necessarily be published first. Is that the case with this one? Did you guys get it before we did? I believe so. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking because I that's right. This one actually came out in nine. So is, this one might be the first one. I haven't recorded Money Pit yet, but this this might be the first story that I've covered where um, the Americans don't get the first version, which mm-hmm. we, was we go to two years earlier, <laughs> two years earlier. And that was the case with the Life and Time stories. And when I realized that I was like, just it blew my mind that they did not come to the states first so yeah interesting that that at this point in the kind of the chronology of rosa stories they don't belong quote belong mm-hmm. to to us to to us americans anymore um because that's not where the energy and and the profitability and the uh, ability to like support yourself is now from now from now on um, uh, and towards the future uh, i guess we uh, these stories are made for the european market yeah so so i reflexively put down in my little spreadsheet i was like oh donald duck adventures number 22 but that is the first American publication. I am just going to see um, what is the like actual first. I guess it was first in uh, Sweden. Saw the first publication in, of course. Let me let me take a crack at saying this right. Kalanka, Kalanka. Is that how they oh, say it? I think it's perfect, actually. Yeah, but before I did this, before I talked to a lot of Swedes, I would have said Kale Anka, but <laughs> but now I've learned it's like Kalanka. Um, so yeah, Donald uh, Donald Duck and Company, 1990, number 46. Cool. That's a bit of a milestone. I, I always take a look on Index at how widely published something is. This one, this one's been in 20 countries, 93 publications, and five in the United States. Um, that's a few more than some of the most recent stories, at least in the U.S. But uh, otherwise, it's pretty comparable to most of them. And I don't have too much background commentary about this, guys. You know, Rosa talks about what it was like to be publishing for Egmont. 
at first he's going to mention his commentary that you know spoiler he, he's not going to be able to include a duck a d-u-c-k dedication there is a little bit of um minor hiccup where he was asked to redraw uh, a pretty lavish splash panel that that i i literally only learned about today when i cracked open volume three of uh the fanographics in in depth for the first time so i'll be excited to talk about that in a little bit let's see do you guys have any any Anything you'd like to note before we before we get into titles from around the world? Well, I just think it's kind of interesting. You talked about how Don didn't make that many of these ten-page gag stories, but I recall them being uh, republished. They're easy to re- republish because there are there are there are ten pagers, and also you got the name Don Rosa and. They're actually pretty brilliant, most of them actually, indeed. So I think it's, uh, yeah, they're easy to republish. And I think at least Egmont does so quite often. Or uh, what's your uh, call on that, Mickey? I've definitely done so pretty often over the years. But, uh, but then again, I think the first, uh, just to talk about this specific story, it was first published in Norway in 1990, which is actually the magazine I first read the story a few years um, later when I inherited <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that magazine. <laughs> then again, then it wasn't published again before in the Hall of Fame collected works uh, here in Norway, and then again in the the weekly magazine in 2009. Uh, I'm actually quoting from memory right now, <laughs> not looking right. at the index. Impressive. We won't fact check you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys, I think it is interesting to talk about the title of this one because, you know, I always like to kind of, I say, pander to the international listeners. Th- this one has an interesting title, Landscapist. I said it's like a made up word and, and it's, it's kind of connoting it, it it brings to mind a landscaper and an artist in one and and it's a little disappointing to me as i kind of glance you know at index um to see that that doesn't seem to have carried over to many of the titles from around the world i didn't do my due diligence on this one i spaced on looking that up but i i speak enough i as I just glanced at this, I can see, you know, in, in French, I speak enough French to to be like, okay, that title is, you know, the friend of the garden and that title, l'ami la de jardin and, and maître, maître jardinier um, sounds like it's master gardener, essentially. Same thing with like German. I see der. This is just the German word for landscape architect, obviously, right? <laughs> der Landschaftsarchitekt. One of those German conglomerative words. But like it doesn't conv- it doesn't capture the tone of what Rosa did here, which is fun. Um, what about in in Norwegian, you guys? Did they get it right? I think they did it as closely as they could. The, the Norwegian title is Hagefrisøren, which directly translates into the into the garden barber. Okay, that's like, fine. I guess, I guess it takes like this little bit bit where he's barbering, barbering, barbering. Yeah, he barbers Bar- uh, the bush. Uh. Barbering a couple of trees or, or bushes. I believe they just took that piece and made it into the title because it's. I guess it's kind of funny right. trying to. Yeah, yeah it, it sounds like it. Okay, now now I am noticing something though. It looks like it looks like they did something fun in Danish. They did. Right? I just looked at it. Yeah. So uh, get, get to, I think let, let me take a crack at this because I know you don't speak Danish, but you it's probably close enough that you can tell me if I'm right. Right? I think they they call Duckburg 
Andebi? Is that is that how they? Okay, so it looks like it's a neat play on um, the name for Duckburg, where they've used where they've used the word that means the landscape gardener, and they've kind of stylized it to also look like Duckburg. Am I right? You're halfway uh, correct because okay. it's called Ambebi because Am means duck. So it's actually like uh, it's the what should you call the German title again? What did you say? It, uh, Landschaft. Uh, yeah, they, was... but the more, but the English word for it. Oh, landscape architect. Yeah, they're using it's basically a landscape ar- architect, but okay. they're having the pun in there where they you have duck duck landscape architect, I guess. So that that looks like that's a that's probably the best one is is my thought. Could be, could um, be. Yeah. Not without without like double checking the Icelandic and the Indonesian and and so on. Did you guys catch any others that you wanted to share? No, I like the Swedish one here. Trädgårdens Michelangelo. Yeah, that, that would be like the gardens Michelangelo, something yeah. nice, something like that. Another play on the garden artist. Uh, and you also mentioned the Spanish or Portuguese one, didn't you? Yeah, both of them actually, because I thought uh, I can't remember uh, or any title from uh, Portugal being used here in the podcast before. So I see that the first translation from 1991 in Di- in Disney Gigante one is. Uh, Umestre Pasigiasta. And also, I see the Spanish one being Experto Pasigiasta. So I believe they're both just saying expert or great or good landscaper, something like that. They all look to look like they're variations over over the same. (laughs) same They do. So, now, listeners, this is now when (laughs) uh, Mark has left the room and. uh, his guests are free to do whatever they want. <laughs> yes, so this is now the the Norwegian Bark. I'm sorry, Rosa Marks podcast. Sorry for the delay. No problem. We did try some. We, we did finish talking about the titles. Awesome. All right, guys. So let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the story. No, you know what? The the only thing I didn't mention is that to me it's interesting when this was published in the states. It had a cover that was like. Someone else's. Did Have you guys seen this cover before? Yeah, I did see it when I opened up the Fantagraphics volume to look through the story. Yeah, I think I've seen it before browsing around online, perhaps in a Hall of Fame book. Yeah, I'm always happy when there like is a cover for for the Rosa ten pagers because it makes it easier to you know promote the story. Um, let's see, this was by Yuka Murtosari, which must be a Finnish artist for sure. Sounds yeah. like it. Um, so, yeah, Bob yeah. Foster, Bob Foster did the layout. Right. Um, yeah. So just it's kind of unusual when I promote it with a with a cover that is not his. So you guys, this is a story that has to have a pretty quick brisk setup right i think he he does a nice job opening the story where we've got the nephews are kind of like the point of view of the reader I, i think that's important right because donald is placed a little bit on a pedestal at the beginning of the story and they are observing him driving down an intersection in his gardener's truck he's got this very proud expression his truck says d duck landscapist And they're just talking up how well his business is going, how everyone is on a waiting list to get in. And he is. So he's on his way here already to the estate of the mayor. 
you know, his his big job is going to be that he's going to get it ready for a for a big social event this afternoon. This is, of course, going to be great for getting his name out. I don't know how much he needs it if he already has a waiting list, but I think it's a good, strong setup, you guys. The only thing that I think is notable to me is that we don't get him having two other successful jobs, right? Which is kind of the usual structure of how we build up the um, the mastery stories. Instead, it's like all these discrete jobs within his big job, right? And in other words, you, you, it's easy to imagine this story starting out at like his neighbor's house and then this other lady's house and doing a good job and getting his bravos. But And, and we're still going to get that. It's just all the different little discrete aspects of the mayor's house. Um, what do you think, Mikael? Yeah, I think you, you're definitely pointing out an interesting aspect of the story there, Mark, because this story also doesn't have that, that many characters. We basically just get uh, Don, his nephews, and uh, the mayor and his wife, and of course, the cat. Right. And <laughs> the fox, right at the yeah, end. Yeah, and the, and the but... fox at the end. <laughs> and of course, some uh, tiny little rodents. But... Right. <laughs> or... Yeah. I see an imaginary rodent. We'll come back to it. Yes. <laughs> Any any thoughts on on the opener here, Ruben? Well, I'm always fascinated by uh, Donald's vehicles, and in this uh, session right here, he's driving what is named by the license plate three one three. I believe it's a B. I'm not an eight, so it's three one three B. Yeah, so, and, and it's does yeah. look, it has similarities to the it's a belch fire runabout is that yes. what it is yeah mm -hmm. yes it, do, it does have uh, similarities to it but it's got a big truck with a lot of accessor accessories it looks like it's like everything on it is bigger a bigger grill bigger wheels so yeah i just think it's quite fun to see another version of that cute little car yeah i'm glad you pointed that out because i'll be honest in all the times i read this story including today like I, it never dawned on me that this is just a, a variation of his his Belchfire runabout, even suggested by the three one three B. So yeah, good good catch there. <laughs> um, so yeah, on on to the the next page. The nephews have joined along, and they're talk hearing him extol how good he is at his new job. I really like the little dialogue line that opens the page he says my landscape methods are the quickest because they're the newest and i should know i made them up myself just last week that that cracks me up for whatever reason um, and i'm so proud saying it it's very nonchalant saying it. yeah yeah the, his entire bearing at the beginning is, mm -hmm. is very prideful of course in in the way that you know is going to get deflated so we see the arrival at the mayor's estate it is an estate it is massive uh i always picture duckburg as like not necessarily a like a, a big mid-sized town not a megalopolis so this looks a little bit out of place to me now that i think about it and i'm like wow this is like this is the sort of um palatial estate that someone like more scrooge like would have but i also kind of picture this is a place more outside of the city more outside of the main city more almost yeah. closer to the area where grandma duck is living right exactly it doesn't seem like someone who would be very connected to um you know to to, to running a city like duckburg but at any rate he he seems like a nice enough fellow right when donald is meeting him and his wife to get the scope of the job he's talking about how 
they're, they're discussing that they want the property to be perfect for the guests arrive for the fox hunt. So this is a high society fox hunt that he's getting ready for. Um, that's something that's pretty controversial these days, right? Like those are those are widely protested against. They're not really something that we have. I'll tell you guys as an American, I never hear about fox hunts. I'm sure that they happen, but it is it is much more something that I would associate as being like a, a British thing. I know Barks himself did a couple of stories with fox hunts, right? So it's that might have been on Rose's mind. I'm not, I'm definitely not saying they don't happen in America. And I'm just going to ask a question because I don't know really much about these fox hunts other than what I've learned from the comic books. So, uh, of course, they're hunting, but are they actually taking the lives of the foxes? That, that is my because understanding. It, yeah, okay, I see. Is, is that the fox hunt does does like result, usually the, the hounds, the dogs that are pursuing, will destroy the hound, mm-hmm. the fox. I see, I see. Because, of <laughs> course, what I've learned from these comic books is just that it's a classy sport. Yes, exactly. For high society people. So Google tells me that today, there are about 140 such hunts throughout the U.S. and Canada registered with and thus recognized by the Masters of Foxhounds Association of America. So yeah, there, there are a lot of pomp, right? The, ho- the horsemen and and especially bred hounds and stuff. The, the, other, the other important thing to note here is that the mayor is kind of going to give him the scope while Donald meets Mrs. Mayor. And um, he admires her cat. The Gretchen, yes. Gretchen cracks me up, right? We, she, she says, yes, but Gretchen is getting old and nearsighted. She was quite a mouser in her youth. And we just see the cat kind of daydreaming about um, pouncing on a mouse that is literally, I'm noticing now, sticking its tongue out at the cat. Yeah, um, that's true. It's a very funny panel, and and on on your first read, you might not expect this to be like something that's going to pay off later. Just speaking about the little details that Rosa, of course, is very famous for, I can't help but notice that little gag in the first panel of this page where there is a little worm bending the the leg of this poor bird. Yes, it's almost like a wrestling hold or something. That's yeah. pretty funny. Um, I really like the panel that closes out this first page. I, I really appreciate it when comic book artists give us a strong sense of place in these stories. It helps me enjoy them better and follow them. And so I like that Rosa kind of flashes to the this like balcony view of the estate. We basically get to see where Donald is about to like do his craft. And then of course, we're going to get a complimentary view at the end, a couple of them. Um, so I think that does a great job of tying this together. About the panel you just mentioned, I think when first time looking at it, I think it's kind of plain because it's just it's showing some elements, but there's a lot of empty space. Yes. Uh, and that bugged me at first sight. But when you think about it, it's supposed, and Donald, I believe he even points it out, it's supposed to be like a canvas for him, right. a, a blank canvas for him to work on. So it makes sense. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, it's also going to serve as a, a contrast, right? Of what's going to be, we're going to return to that panel and there's going to be a certain contrast at the end. Um, and then on that, the next page, Rose is going to kind of do a zoom in on the next few panels where we're going to highlight the different things that need to be, that need Donald's attention. Um, and we'll talk about those more as we go along. It's, I think it's really strong storytelling, right? I, I like this as well. Barks did this a lot at, 
early in the story, you kind of lay out this checklist, this checklist of things that we're going to cover in more detail. And then that's where the story goes. It's very reassuring. So you guys, I really like, I like how this is set up. And then Donald gets immediately into it. Mikkel, do you want to tell us about the fun first sequence where he does some landscaping? Yeah, I like that Donald opens up with, he's uh, calling himself basically more than a mortal landscapist. <laughs> Because he says, uh, one of the nephews is asking, how's the job sound, Uncle Donald? And he replies with, more than a mere mortal landscapist could handle. But for me, at cinch. So yeah, Donald has to cut the grass near the stables without making a sound. Because he, of course, received a lot of specifics uh, from the mayor. So... What Donald has in uh, has uh, ready is a whole bunch of rabbits. So yeah, he pulls out a whole bunch of hairs that uh, he has trained to munch grass down to exactly three centimeters, and I don't so much as belch. <laughs> we see all these sleeping horses uh, in the background sleeping on their back with pillows. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this panel. This panel is a riot. The the horse sleeping while so so that he calls them rabbits at first, right? But then he he calls them hairs later because Rosa wants to get this nice um, alliteration, right? Where he says this horde of hungry hares. I, I love it. That's a great panel. Ruben, do you want to tell us about the next sequence? Absolutely. Well, it's a croquet field where it has this, the rose vine at the croquet field. And uh, the roses on there is lying around on the ground like a mess. So Donald is supposed to just vine it up. And the nephews ask how he's going to do it. But um, Donald just pulls out his uh, knitting needles and start knitting the, the, the roses and the, the, the bushes into, into shape. And he also uh, adds a silhouette, you could call it a, like, he's doing some artistic work here, let's say that, where he's making a guy with a top hat playing croquet inside of that, that bow there. So we, we get a, a nice, again, a, a fun bit of writing. He says, how is that a croquet crochet? This is one of those things where I, I, I'm assuming it really rewards you if you're speaking, if you're reading it in the original English, even if this was published first in Swedish, um, it is still being written in English. How do they, do you guys have handy how they handled this in Norway? Were they able to, you know, whip it into anything clever like this? Uh, I do have Norwegian Hall of Fame book here. And he says, let the art flourish or bloom is the word. Let the art bloom is what right. it's calling. So they did put a pun there. Yeah. So it's it's fine. And, you know, the whole time the, the nephews are serving as the audience, right? As the readers just being convinced about how good he is. Um, the next little segment doesn't work as well for me. He like, there's a couple of ratty looking trees and he gives them basically the barbershop treatment um, where he's like giving them a shave and a haircut. And he's doing that thing that a barber stereotypically would do, which is like, I don't know if this is a stereotype in Scandinavia, but it, you know, you're, you're a captive audience at the barber. So they're going to, they're going to chat with you. Oh, I, I, that's not my favorite of them. It always seemed a little bit silly and, and weird to me, even if he is using what bug dust and fertilizer instead of talcum powder and cologne. Well, I, I do think it's kind of like cute in a way. It's kind of charming. Uh, it does remind me of those uh, the old of cartoons with Donald, where you can just change roles in for just for the for the for scene. The... The For the scene, like like a slapstick scene, always. It, it's not a bit of slapstick, but the classic like cartoon, you could just go out and 
And yeah, uh, Wendell is dressed as this barber. He also has uh, he also has like this comb that he should be have here behind his ear. Yeah, Donald doesn't have ears, so it looks like it's just glued <laughs> uh, yeah. right, right next to his uh, on, on the side of his head. And I do think that's actually I didn't I didn't see that the first time reading it yesterday, but I read it again today, and I was like, huh, that's kind of weird, but I guess it works in a way. Yeah, mm. you're you're absolutely right. It's it's very funny in the very first panel before he starts snipping he's doing the same thing with some scissors and and again while maybe i think it's the chatter that kind of annoys me you know where he's like chat talking about how do the duckburg gadwells have a chance at the pennant this year that that seemed a little too clever by half for me but that that's very funny with him like holding the the implements behind his non-existent ears <laughs> but i believe um, if you look if you look really close on what is the second panel with uh, donald being this barber you can see that they have like put this behind some feathers i believe it's really hard to see in my printing but you could say that yes yes i do see it there so regardless it looks it looks great all right so you guys we're we're seeing we're getting a lot of examples here basically is the important thing right there's going to be a couple more important ones um there's a quote on the next page a ghastly looking bush by the pond as the nephew points out and uh, he does some top topiary with it and he makes it into a, a a masterwork right it's literally a hunter on horseback with with the hounds in mid chase and they're celebrating you know how perfect he is for this career um we also see him cleaning the frog pond he's like individually pressing every lily pad scrubbing the fish scrubbing the frogs it's 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 pretty funny but all of it is a little bit time consuming, right? We see the mayor and his wife are um, kind of pondering what a wonderful job it is, but that the hour is getting late and he still hasn't done the grass. And this is a big estate, right? And and so at this point, guys, we've gotten enough examples of how good Donald is at his job um, that it's time to, to go to the fall, right? Um, the nephews are, are essentially going to start pleading with him, you know, can, can we help you? This is a lot to do, but Donald really wants to be the only one to like paint on his canvas. So, um, so he's going to set up two mega mowers and he's going to plan to use them both at the same time. You guys, I really love the setup, right? The, you, you know that as the nephews say, disaster looms. You just can't wait to see it play out. Well, this is also one of those cases where Don last put on swimming pants uh, before he moved out into the pond. <laughs> Yes, yeah. good catch, right? So he's, he's standing there. It's kind of unusual to see him wearing uh, swimming shorts and then be bare-chested. Uh-huh, right. Because when Donald goes swimming, we get a perfect inversion of the Donald Duck wears no pants. Now that's right. all he's wearing. When his tail feathers are still sticking out. <laughs> so you guys, I, I love this, right? He's, he's going to push these two mowers and we don't, the reader doesn't even think about the path he's taking. There's nothing special about it. He just kind of veers off. Um, he very naturally does like the perimeter around the pond, which you might want to do because you want to make sure that you're taking extra care with that. And and at this, you know, as he's doing this, the nephews are still pleading. This is so important to you. Please let us help. And this is the moment where 
you know, disaster does indeed arrive. He kind of flicks his finger saying, I told you shrimps to be gone. And at that point, he activates both motors, both mowers, what we figure must be like their, their fast mode. And he gets caught in the handles of both uh, of one of the motors. So one of them takes off on its own. The other takes off with him dragging behind. Um, and, you know, they kind of just trace this big path before they eventually, uh, dragging Donald behind, he ends up like ripping out that nice croquet crochet. And, and finally the mowers collide in this explosion. And a nephew says, hey, what a stroke of luck. They collided before they did too much damage. Um, and so now the ducks are kind of scrambling. This this seems like it's it's bad, right? But maybe it's not a huge disaster because it was fairly contained. And, you know, maybe they won't get to mow every bit of grass. But, um, but you know, they should still be able to salvage this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's Seems like it's bearable. I believe you could pull out those rabbits again, maybe something like that. And also, I think it's kind of interesting that, in a way, this could be considered the nephew's fault. Yeah, because they are actually just pleading him to so much that it Donald is reacting to it, and that's what makes this makes this disaster. So, if the nephews hadn't been uh, pleading him that much in the first place, maybe Donald would done his job and done it in time. Right. Yeah, it's true. Although I think it is. Probably one could could argue that it's just the nature of Donald Duck with that much mowing. I'm going to guess that something was going to go wrong. <laughs> that could be true. But, but yeah, they, they did technically instigate it. So, so you guys, this is just timed so perfectly. You guys, I, it's, of course, it's perfect how, how the reader has to turn the, right? Because they're, they're, they're racing to repair the damage before the mayor comes out. We flash to the mayor's wife who says, I'm going out to see what all the noise was. She's overlooking the estate on the same balcony that we were on and she is stroking that like spoiled old tabby cat what's the cat's name again gretchen yeah um and and she sees she sees the damage uh and you guys what is the damage does anyone want to Mikko, what you want to tell us what is the damage yeah i can't describe it uh well the mayor mayor's wife is coming out uh to see what all the noise was and what she sees is this the land movers has um, uh, cut out this perfect uh, rat drawing so the two trees that fell over makes the eyes a couple of angry little beady eyes the flowers has fall over and made this tongue and um, the explosion from uh, the collusion made a perfect black nose dots uh, <laughs> So it looks like a mouse or a rat that is uh, pointing his tongue towards uh, the balcony. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's gi it's giving Gretchen the raspberry, the mowers. Like we didn't see it at the time. We had no reason to think, but they like did the perfect arc to make the mouse's ears. And it's very cartoon logic, Ruben. Yeah, I just wanted to mention some funny dialogue here because before all this happens, Don is looking at like the, where the explosion happened and looking at the uh, the wrecks of the lawnmowers, mm -hmm. and he's saying, "Let's repair this damage before the mayor comes out to see what all the noise was." And then we flip the page and see uh, uh, the mayor's wife coming out to the balcony, and she's saying, "I'm going out to see what all the noise was." Basically, right. he's yeah. saying the exact same thing as Donald 
just w- wanted not to happen. Yeah, it's 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 structured very effectively. Um, it's a good it's a good bit of continuity, <laughs> and and so you know, Gretchen reacts just the way a cartoon cat is supposed to, to a mouse giving giving it the raspberry. Um, and she just shrieks, she yowls, she races off the balcony, pulling the mayor's wife, who's like stuck with, with her necklace. Um, and, and, and they both land, they both land on Donald's uh, trailer full of rabbits, emptying the rabbits. It, it's so funny how the mayor very calmly just chides her, Gretchen, stop. Remember your bad hip as she's like plummeting down yeah. off the balcony. Um, head first. <laughs> yes, head first. Exactly. It's, it's, it's very classic Rosa Mayhem. And, and that's what this sequence is. This sequence is hilarious. Uh, I, I, I died laughing the first time I read this. And a big part of that is because I did not see it coming at all. The element of surprise really got me here. And it's really to the story's benefit. So um, hopefully, listener, you have definitely read this one before listening to this because otherwise it's not going to be nearly as funny but um but i love this it's just it's going to trigger all of this mayhem where the the rabbits are going to cause the dogs to crash out of their pen and when the horses see the dogs they think that the fox hunt has started so they very comically get this word balloon that says tally ho and and then we get we get a very notable panel, which is just a one of Rose's. You can't you can't think of it as anything but a mayhem panel, right? Any favorite aspects of this page, you guys? Well, it kind of depends on the printing because this is the panel that Egmont publishers ask Don to read wrong. So. Right. In my Hall of Fame, which I believe is the same in the Fantagraphics, they've published the original one that Don first drew. But in my other publication, which is the Walt Disney Treasury uh, from uh, 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 Boom Studios, uh, it's the, what should I say, the original from the original printing, uh, which is, well, they're both the, depicting the same mayhem, but I believe uh, the one I mentioned second does have fewer inclines it's less detailed as well isn't it right you could argue it's less detailed but i would still say it's pretty detailed so i wanted to say just like it's it's got less ink let's say that yeah both of them um so so this is something that i only realized literally today that i wasn't really reading the original because the redraw as you say it is utterly action-packed it's just full of like horses and dogs and rabbits and frogs and fish um just so much mayhem it's it's very funny the mayor is overlooking it from his balcony i i did just a quick ballpark count of all the animals it looks like there's about 30 some animals on the redraw and there's somewhere between 50 and 60 of them in in the quote original that was not you know initially seen that you have to find in one of those collections and and i get it like your mileage may vary for some people this is what irritates them about rosa right they don't like these mayhem panels they don't like these like heavily engineered stories and and this is a little bit too over the top I, I think this works for me. This is great payoff. Um, I, I love this panel that I'm only seeing for the first time today. It's it's a lot better because it gives you much more scope of the estate. It 
It gives you more room to see how horribly it's gone wrong. It includes the nephews, whereas the other one doesn't. Um, it's it's awesome. Just just love it, you guys. This this is such a great payoff for this story. What Definitely, and I and I do think like the the one that Don drew first that was wasn't uh, originally published. I do think that is the best one because what you're saying, you see the full estate, and you also see how uh, the animals does impact on that estate. Uh, you do see that in the other one as well, but you only see like the pond and the bush. The rest is just a big, big ball of smoke. So I believe, or dust, I believe. Uh, yeah. And also you see, uh, you see the nephews, you see more reactions from, from characters and uh, Donald's full body is, is in shot. So you see, you get more reactions from that than just when the, the other one where you only have like uh, his head sticking up from the, from the dust. Right. Yeah. That I'm dust cloud is doing, doing kind of a lot of work there possibly because as he said, he had to redraw this. So that's a lot of work and some unpaid work. He kind of alludes to, he thinks that maybe they were trying to teach him a lesson. Um, and then they finally gave up when he just never stopped doing these overly detailed panels. Mikael, you were going to say you had a comment. Yeah, also, um, as Ruben pointed out, that that we get to see the full um, Donald on the original panel. I really like that we get to see him jumping up and down, holding his hands up on his head, and yeah, it's way more expressive of the panic he's feeling uh, as the world is crumbling around him, basically. But I also noticed some other differences uh, between the panels here. Firstly, that uh, both of them have a horse kicking a dog, uh, but that is way more prominent on the on the redrawn panel, where it's uh, up towards the middle of the top of the panel. Oh, That's yeah, true. Yeah. I didn't I didn't see that on the original one. Actually, no, it, I did see I did there. see it, I did see it on the redraw. I didn't see it on the original, but I see it now. Yeah, a little bit a little bit of animal violence. It's nothing mm-hmm. too too bad, but you could see how um, in a certain light. I, I think you could probably get a lot away with a lot in these like mayhem scenes because the eye doesn't linger too long on anything. I will go to bat a little bit for for Rosa here, right? Like I think Rosa is often self-deprecating about his art, right? And I think part of that is some of that might be authentic that I know you guys are fan artists. So, you know, uh, better than I do that all artists are incredibly insecure about their art, right? Like that's something that I think is almost universal, but like, he's also, you know, he's, he's, he's a very famous artist. So there's obviously some sheer talent here. Right. But but it is the case that his art style is not for everyone. Um, but I definitely like to go to bat for his animal drawings here. I, I think he's done these horses, these dogs, all of these animals. I think they're very well rendered. I think there's some really great sense that like the horses are very equine. You know, the dogs are very dog-like. All, every, everyone has a sense of motion that kind of matches what it should to my eye. You guys might have more comment on that than I would. Yeah, I was going to mention it because uh, in the artist world, horses are, horses are known for being hard to draw. So seeing all these horses in from all the different angles and doing all this different stuff yeah. uh, is very impressive. Yeah, that's what stands out to me. It's all these like different types of horse. It's like horses trotting and galloping and leaping and cantering and 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 so on, you know. Yeah, I also think he's doing a Rosa is doing a very great job in the drawing the animals there and the horses. The only animal I can think of right now that Rosa quite clearly had uh, less good results with is uh, tigers. 
but I also believe he was talking about that in one of his articles. And, and I also know that tigers are tricky to draw. Yeah. <laughs> Harder than other big cats, really, because of their stripes. And, uh, yeah, but um, just, just a sensational panel. Really, really, this panel is worth the price of admission. And, and this one, um, so many of his stories have this have great payoff. But like, this is this is one of the biggest payoff stories, I think. So, you guys, the last page, we spent a lot of time on this page for, uh, for one, a good one last reason. mention. Yeah, one last yeah mention, we should mention that the mayor is witnessing this. Yes. Uh, yes. So, the mayor is now observing what Donald is doing to his car. Yeah. And, and, and one other thing that we should also mention is all the little like cutout circles of Donald um, witnessing all of the like animal escapes and the mayhem ensuing. And it just, it just getting progressively worse. This, this is, this is like one of the things that you can only do in comics here. This page, he is taking such great advantage of the, the medium of com comics as a storytelling medium. It's, it's sensational. We should so, also mention yeah. one last thing. Right behind the jumping doll, there is an angry little rabbit. He's looking so... Yeah, he's grumpy. bored. Oh, yeah. He he's bored. Oh, he's bored. He's <laughs> surrounded he's just... by all this mess. He's just sitting there like, yeah, he's, he's just bored or kind of... Uh, he's troubled with all the full situation. He's hating it. You guys, how long do you think, how long did this panel take him to draw? Uh, I, I know all artists work at different speeds. So like, it's literally impossible to say, but like, th this has got to be one of his um, most intense panels he's ever done, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think, uh, Mikkel? I believe that the penciling and the inking could be like a full long day. I think it could probably or probably two maybe uh on the first original panel yeah i think you i think you could have spent a full day alone on that panel i'll, I'll tell you guys as a non-artist what jumped popped into my head was like i bet this took 10 hours i have nothing to base that on that's just like what flashed yeah, into my that's what i think i uh, thought of when saying a full long day Right. Yeah. That's and that's penciling and inking. It's not the idea sketching. Right. Yeah. So he he ate that time. Right. Like if he had to redraw it, it was worse than that because he had to like go back and do a version that you know probably because he was. I'm sure he would have been consulting the other and that probably reduced the time dramatically, but maybe even tracing some of it. I don't know if he would do that. I don't know. I, I can at least see that the redrawn version is. Uh... It's been made uh, in a shorter period of time. Yeah, it does stand out. Like it's still skillfully done, but, yeah, but there's nice, nice detail in that one. So you guys, the wrap-up page here is is pretty much what you would expect, right? It's it's actually we make some great choices here, right? We're we're gonna arrive, we're gonna flash to the guests, the gala guests, the fox hunt guests are just arriving. They're talking about how they hear that that marvelous Donald Duck is doing the landscaping, um, and then Rosa initially tells instead of shows to get to give us some anticipation someone says my word is this the right address yes there's the mayor's mansion but look at his yard and we finally get a view of the aftermath of all that ma'am as all the animals seem to have like for the most part headed for the hills his wife his poor wife is still still splayed out across donald's um donald's trailer and in a second and, i thought she died 
I know. <laughs> Fortunately, we see her at the end, no, just a little worse for wear. Um, so we flash then to that evening where the mayor and his wife both are like wielding bloodhounds in a club with murder in their eyes. And the nephews are just kind of casually asking, oh, what, what you doing walking your dogs? And, and they're they're of course looking for a certain master landscapist, and 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 then at the end we flash to Donald. It's a neat cutaway panel where Donald is hiding in the layer, uh, with in a, in a layer with a fox, um, and they're arguing over that the hamburger that the nephews have clearly brought. And he's saying, it's going to be a long winter if you don't stop being grabby. Some gratitude. There was no fox hunt, remember. Um, I think it's pretty much a perfect ending as as the story has been constructed. We can't uh, not mention what kind of uh, burger Don Donald is eating there. If we read the name on the on the bag, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, uh, maybe it's maybe it's only in the Fantagraphics. Uh, burgers of Calais is what it's mine saying. Oh, Ooh. in the Fantagraphics one is apparently McDuck's. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, I, 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 I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't notice it. Yeah, you're right. It's, so Ruben, that's the one I saw, Burgers of Calais. Calais is a French city, isn't it? I, I have no idea. Yeah, it's a port city in, in in France. So I don't even know why why it's called Burgers of Calais. And then it's McDuck's and McDonald's. Is it? I don't, I don't know. It, Rosa didn't mention anything in his commentary that I saw in the fanographics about that update. So we can, we can only speculate. It's, it's a cute little gag. Um, but yeah, like perfect. I, I think, I think this, this is, I, I, I love this story. You guys, before, before I get into waxing about how great I think it is though, did you guys have any other reflections on the last page itself? Uh, not other than I'm agree with, agreeing with you with it being a perfect ending and you by actually showing a fox uh, and Donald being in company with it. And that makes the mayor actually being at some kind of fox hunt in a way, or is that a right. duck hunt because it's duck season, rabbit season. Um, yes. But he's got to look for what he was initially going to look for, what is foxes. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great wrap up. And you guys, I I love this story. I I I think this is one of my favorites of his of his ten pagers. You know, there there are a couple of others. I think I, I did an episode a couple uh, a couple episodes ago. I got to cover on a silver platter, and I called that my favorite. And I think I stand by that. I think um, I can't remember laughing so loud at a duck comic before. I just think that one's so tight. But but I think this one's really high up. This is certainly in my top like two or three of his gag stories. It just it really works for me. It's so tightly constructed, and and the ending is like the the payoff was so unexpected the first time, and now even when I know it's coming, I still just I love it so much. It, it's so entertaining to me. What what about you, Mikael? It's definitely up uh, up on my. Probably top three. I think it's number three on my list of uh, favorite Rosa 10 pages. My definite favorite is Forget It. Nice. It's most hilarious 10 pager he has made. If you are asking me, I, I think it's actually better than A Matter of Some Gravity because I just find the whole idea of 
forgetting and all the problems that can cause even more original in its simplicity than even the gravity story. Uh, I would probably place this one as number my personal number three. Yeah, people love um, love those two Magicka gag ones. You know the the wand ones. Um, yeah. Forget it and. Um, God, I'm just looking. They they both rank so high, but Forget It actually does rank. That one is his highest ranked gag story. Is it a 10-pager, though? It might be a little longer. But I, I think it may be a little bit longer. It's yeah. definitely, a, you know, there's a few of them that are like 12 pages, and they kind of straddle, like gag versus adventure story so I'm, I'm pretty strict about just looking at the 10 pagers um but you know that is definitely like kind of more more of a gag heavy story what about you ruben what do you think about this one well uh i think it's great it's a fun 10 pager and it's doing what it's supposed to do perfectly but to be honest it's not among my favorites not because as i said it's it's perfect. It's doing everything that it should do perfectly. But to me, it's just, it doesn't stand out in any way from other uh, uh, Don's early works on 10 pagers, to be honest. So it's great. It's fun. It's doing everything perfectly. Just not a favorite to me. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think. I think I might be a little bit unusual in, you know, how much I like this one. I just double checked. So Gravity and Forget It, which are like both ranked super close to each other in the rankings are 13 and 16 pages. Yeah, I kind of forgot that uh, I probably have to bump this one down a notch uh, because I remember that we also have Unstolen Time, which is, right. uh, I don't okay. remember if it's exactly 10 pages, but uh, I see it is in that category and I probably would put that one as my number two, that we'd forget it as number one, then Unstolen Time, A Matter of Some Gravity or the story with Gladstone's birthday, and then probably Master Landscapist. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is hard to rank them just because, like, where do you draw the line at a gag story versus an adventure story? Um, I always thought of Stolen Time as, as kind of an adventure story that's brisk because, like, there's some real peril to it, but it is so funny. And it's 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 a 12-pager, technically. Most of his 12-pagers are, like, kind of gag stories. Regardless, we're we're splitting hairs. Um, I think I feel really strongly about this one. It sounds like you guys really appreciate it for it. Just just it's a very successful story, right? Yeah, I I think this one is a real pleasure. It's very strong as his first like Egmont story. Any other wrap up thoughts before we uh, kind of hit our favorite panels? I think it was fitting that Rosa's first story for Egmont was was a ten pager because that's. Uh... The main thing that Egmont kind of produced is that 10 pager to open up the, the weekly magazine. Yeah, yeah, the weekly is definitely modeled after Walt Disney's comics and stories. Yeah. So then right. I would then I would take the adventure length stories and put them as a part uh, one part. It, like serialize them. Yeah, serialize them. Yeah, it's which, a, it's a real which, shame that I stopped doing that uh, because now there is hardly any long stories in the weekly magazine anymore. They have started to come back, uh, and I hope they will continue yeah. their comeback. But. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, excellent. Well, I I just I think this one lands so well. It's a, it's it's a great example just of a Rosa gag story because of that engineering that he likes to do. Um, you guys, if we reflect on favorite panels, there's like 
an obvious choice, right? That mayhem panel is very funny. It's also just a lot of work. Um, so I, I feel like that one is almost beside the point, you know, because you could like, you could make a poster of that and that would be a lot of fun, but you can pick that if you'd like. What, what, what does anyone want to call out as like one of their favorite panels? I have one, one here. This is uh, the panel more or less uh, right after Donald has uh, caught his foot uh, or his webbed feet in uh, the land mover, mover. And he's look, basically breaking, kind of breaking the fourth wall, looking at the reader, or I think he's more looking inwards, reflecting on how embarrassing. I wonder if Rembrandt ever got his foot caught in a paintbrush. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great choice. I'm I'm glad you called that one out because we didn't kind of talk about it when covering the the narrative, and that one is great. So yeah, and it's kind of fun because it's actually saying what Donald thinks of himself in this situation as well. How much pride he has in his job. I also really do like that one where the horse is sleeping. That's just a very comical comical one to me. Any other panels you guys wanted to call out? Well, I should just mention I love this sequence with the lawnmowers going crazy. The, of course, the end result of it being uh, uh, this perfect caricature of, uh, of the mouse from uh, Gretchen's little the little dream i think that's perfect the whole sequence and of course the end result in that one panel right yeah go ahead mikael i have one last one on that's the last panel with uh, gretchen because she the mayor's wife has slung the cat over her shoulder and is holding the tail and gretchen just looks so happy sleeping and it looks like she has had her final big mouse hunt was a success for her <laughs> yeah you're right That's true. it's like the biggest mouse holding, ever <laughs> holding them holding the cat by the tail and you're right she just looks wonderfully content so good good for gretchen that's great i'm glad someone had a good someone had a good day there she did she did make she did make the mouse disappear yeah um yes exactly and you guys we had we had mentioned you guys highlighted a couple of the really strong uh, background gags. Were there any background gags that you wanted to mention that you didn't get to? Because I think that covered it pretty nicely. I think I got all uh, all the ones I would like to mention at least. Yeah, I think so as well. Of course, I just noticed the what I call the board, the grumpy rabbit in the in the in the catastrophe scene, and I think that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, also, I should mention uh, the opening splash panel. I think that also is kind of plain. I missed some detail in that. Maybe that is something that he did after redrawing the... No, that he could do that. But it, it does look, uh, not suspiciously, but it does look uh, plainer than what we're used to. Yeah, I think yeah. that's because of all detailed things is placed so high up in the panel. It's mainly the road and... Um, streets and i've seen editions or copies of this story where the road is white and not colored gray or anything and then it feels really more open in a way yeah so. well i i wonder if it was like maybe something he did being mindful of like starting with egmont now and like front loading the story a little bit less detailed to maybe sneak in the more detailed stuff later i don't know Could could be and it also mm -hmm. makes like the the other detailed splash panels it makes a good contrast it... right yeah yeah and we, we had talked about I, I didn't really circle back to talk about how important the contrast was and how important it was that he showed us the estate 
um, just kind of in its regular state. And then when we go back at, at the aftermath and at, during the Mayhem panel, we get to see the estate multiple times, which which really makes it land well. Um, I love the pun you made there, Mark. <laughs> yes. So you guys, uh, very strong 10-pager, a lot of fun. This is just a personal favorite of mine. I, I remember reading this a lot as a kid. It was it was delightful to get to cover this one with the two of you. I'm glad we could kind of close out all of the master, uh, all, all of the brittle mastery stories. Um, we're not doing an index one. I'm not going to close by asking because he didn't include one of the, the, the duck dedications rather. We're not going to close out with a duck dedication spot because it's not there. Maybe again, he was trying to be on his quote, best behavior since he was new with Egmont. But um, I know both of you are fan artists and can be found on um, the usual places that artists are. Uh, Instagram, it seems like mostly, but also Facebook. Ruben, uh, hit us with your your handle. Yeah, uh, you'll find me on both Instagram and Facebook at Ulthrud uh, Tegner, Ulthrud Tegner. Right, and Tegner, for if you're an English speaker, it's T-E-G-N-E-R, um, and it means draws. And then, Mikael, what about yours? Well, the, the best place to look for my drawings is on Facebook on Mikkel Hagen's Tegninger, uh, which basically is just my name, Mikkel Hagen's, Mikkel Hagen's drawings, basically. There is some upcoming duck uh, art coming on the Facebook page pretty soon, I think. So if you're in for ducks, then you will get some duck art there. I am. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I will definitely look forward to that. I really enjoy, um, really enjoy your duck art. So we'll keep an eye out for it. And excellent, right? Excellent. Um, and let's see. Rosa remarks is um also on Facebook and sometimes on Instagram. Um, at Rosa remarks. Uh, you can also check out Bark's remarks for for episodes about his stories. Um, and be sure to join us. Be sure to join us next time when we get to cover. Oh, I think we do get to cover on stolen time as the next story. So that that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. 